Uh, well, I just want to welcome everyone here to Embrace. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at all of our campuses and network churches. We are overjoyed and thrilled and been praying uh, that you would come. And so we're just excited that you're here. My hope for every last one of us is that we would hear from God today, that God would come and speak to us and he would meet us right where we are. Uh, on my way to church myself, I found myself just praying out of nowhere, not even kind of intentionally praying. It just out of the core of who I am, it's just like, God, I need you. Like, I'm desperate for you. And so starting with myself, not as a pastor, but as a person, would you come and would you speak to all of us today? And so that's my hope across our campuses, whether you've been following Jesus for 20 years or you're still on the fence about God, I pray that you would sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you in a powerful way, maybe for the first time ever before, all right? Now, as we all know, as of 1 p.m. on Thanksgiving, it is Christmas season. For those of you who have been celebrating since Halloween, I will pray for your wretched soul. Uh, it is clear that you do not love Jesus, and so I'll pray for you. All sinners are welcome here, luckily. Uh, but one of my favorite parts about Christmas is the music, okay? And I'm not talking about Mariah Carey. I am not talking about 98 Degrees. I'm not talking about Miley Cyrus. I actually don't know if Miley even has a Christmas album. She needs to do one if she hasn't done one before. Uh, instead, though, I'm talking about Christmas hymns. And as a kid, one of my favorite Christmas hymns to sing, I found out this week, uh, was written back in 1719 by a guy named Isaac Watts. And, and listen to this. As a teenager, Isaac complained that the songs they sang in church were boring. And that as people were singing the songs, that oftentimes they would mumble through the words without any heart. Does that sound like anyone's childhood in church, okay? Maybe I'm the only one who was bored in church. But in hearing his complaints, his dad, his dad told him, he said, Isaac, if you don't like the songs, well, maybe you should write some songs that are better. And so that's exactly what Isaac did. He began to write songs. I love that. The songs were boring. The songs that they were singing in church didn't connect it connect with the people. So what did he do? He did something about it. So he started writing these songs. But get this though, unlike the songs, the other songs that were saying at this time, where the words came word for word directly out of the Bible, Isaac began to write some new songs, songs that would connect with the people. And in response, some of the people labeled Isaac a heretic. He was rocking the boat, but one specific song that he wrote took off and we've been singing it for hundreds and hundreds of years since. And for those of us who like this song, this song was radical. Honestly, at this time, it was a new song that the churchy people, the older folks in the church, did not want to sing. And the song is Joy to the World. Crazy, right? It was a new song that the older folks, the churchy people, didn't want to, want to sing. I know as a kid, I loved singing Joy to the World. My mom, she would play the organ often in church, and when she played, it was like the whole room shook with the organ and felt like the roof was going to cave in, but we would belt it out, and we would sing it out at the top of our lungs. Well, today we're starting up a brand new series uh, for Christmas called Christmas at Embrace. Uh, we are super original and very creative in this church. It took us a long time to come up with Christmas at Embrace. But each week in this series, we are looking at a Christmas carol, songs that we've maybe sang ourselves for years. And we're just going to try and understand a glimpse of what we're singing about. And more than just trying to understand these songs, we're going to talk about how do they connect to our lives. Like more than just gathering some cute facts about a hymn that was written in the 1700s, we're going to talk about what do these songs mean for us right now today? Like what do they mean for you and what do they mean for me and why should we continue to sing on these songs? Why should we continue to sing them? 
And so looking at our first song, again, Joy to the World, uh, we're going to zoom in on this one phrase where it says, let every heart prepare him room. And if you would, sing it with me. Let every heart prepare him room. And I should never sing again in church, <laughs> right? So that's the phrase that we're going to look at and uh, as our focus for today. And when I thought about this phrase, I couldn't help but think about a day that took place in the Weber family roughly 365 days ago. So yeah, about a year ago, uh, our family ended up going to one of the best places, one of my favorite stores, uh, Lowe's. Okay, I love Lowe's. And I don't know if this is true for the other fellas here today, uh, but when I'm, at, when I'm at Lowe's, I just feel like more of a man, okay? My manlyhood increases even though I'm not handy whatsoever. I hung a light fixture the last week and I had my dad on FaceTime for an hour and a half to help me hang a light fixture. So, but anytime I go to Lowe's, I just get excited. My manliness, I grow hair more on my arms. And I, I'm no kidding, I actually daydream about getting a shopping spree at Lowe's. I wish that was not true, but it is true. I daydream about it. Quick fun fact though, one of my best memories at Lowe's took place a few years ago. I was at Lowe's using the restroom, do not picture this, and I'm up to the stall doing my thing, just kind of doing what men do, when all of a sudden the guy in the stall next to me says, you're my pastor. (laughs) Awesome. In that moment, all I could think was, do I turn and look? Do I shake his hand? It was awesomely awkward on every single level. But back to Lowe's, we went to Lowe's as a family, and Beck and our kids, they stayed out in the minivan, and I went into Lowe's by myself, which my wife always says is dangerous. Thankfully for her, though, I like to live life on the wild side, okay? So I went into Lowe's by myself, and I, the, I think I went in for a light bulb or something. I went in for a light bulb, but the moment like, I crossed the threshold of the door, it was like there were deals everywhere. I'm like, oh my goodness, there are deals on everything. They're basically paying us to take away stuff from the store. And so I found a fire pit. And as you might know, I love fire. So I was like, we need one of those. And I also found like four big pieces of lawn furniture. I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is fantastic. So I, I, I call my wife and I'm like, baby, you're never going to believe this. I just found a once in a lifetime sort of deal, okay? It's not a pyramid scheme, but it just so happens to be in a pyramid. Okay, anyways, but I'm like, there's this a once in a lifetime deal. And she's like, okay. So I tell her the prices and she wasn't all that impressed. I'm like, I'm not sure why you're not excited. And then she asked the question, and how in the world are we to get all of this stuff home? And I'm like, well, back, I was like, there's plenty of room. We basically have a moving van that we drive, our minivan. And so we're just going to be totally fine. So I pay for the stuff. I come out with the blue, like, cart flatbed things, which makes you officially a man. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I wanted to do, like, a victory lap in Lowe's. Like, look at this. It's lawn furniture. But I get out to the van, and as soon as I get out there, my oldest son, who is very, very logical, starts saying, Dad, I don't think we have any room. And I was like, buddy, we have tons of room. We have all kinds of room. He's like, no, Dad, I'm pretty sure that's not going to fit in here. There's no room. And I'm like, there's plenty of room. He, we, there's no room. I'm like, there's plenty. So I just start piling the boxes into our van. And then like any good parent would, after the boxes were in their place, I tried to figure out where our kids would go around the boxes. I promise I'm a good parent. Well, somehow I got everything in and our van is packed. Like it is maxed. It is full. And my wife and one of my kids had to kind of sit while they're standing. And I think this is a safe place to say this. No, they were not wearing a seatbelt, okay? Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, but don't judge me because none of you who are older than 30 grew up wearing a seatbelt as a kid either. And so if you want to judge me, you're basically judging your mom and your dad. And I like your mom and dad, so stop judging them. But from Lowe's, our house is like six miles away. As soon as we start driving, what did my oldest logical rule-following son start saying? He started saying this, and he didn't just say it. He started yelling it because two of us weren't wearing a seatbelt. He starts yelling, there is no room, and we're going to jail. There's no room, and we're going to jail. And I'm getting angry. I'm like, we are not going to jail as I'm silently praying, Lord, would there not be a cop that drives by us anytime now? Again, again, though, there is no room. There's no room. Now, according to a man named Luke, You've maybe heard of Luke before. He's a physician. Uh, Luke tells us about a young couple named Mary and Joseph who are expecting a baby. And you've maybe heard the story before. Uh, Mary and Joseph, they're traveling to a small town called Bethlehem. They're originally from Nazareth, but they're headed back to Bethlehem for a few times, for a few years. And picking up our story in Luke chapter 2, verse 6, here is what our brother Luke tells us. He says this. This is the New Living Translation. He says, While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. If you don't know, the firstborn son was named Jesus. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and lied him in a manger. Why? Because there was no lodging available to them. Another translation says, Why? Because there was no guest room available for them. Another translation says, Why? Because simply there was no room for them. And so here's the situation, folks. Get this. Here is the king of kings, the one who's supposedly fully God and fully man, the one who supposedly can bring a dead person back to life, the one that 2,000 some years later we're still talking about and gathering to worship here today, the most famous person in all of history, the one whose book about him is the best-selling book of all times. Here is Jesus. And yet, when he is born, there is no room. Again, here is Jesus, the King of Kings, the most famous person of all, all time. There's no arguing it. Here's Jesus, and there is no room. Now, I'm not sure that I even have to ask, but when it comes to your life and it comes to my life, not your minivan or a hotel room, but your life, I just want to ask, have you ever just felt like there is no room inside of you? Have you ever just felt like there is no room in here? In your life, in your mind, in your thought life, I ever just thought, like, feel like there is no room in here. Like it's so packed full of stuff, better translation, it's so packed full of crap, it's so packed and full, whether it's your schedule or your brain, that there isn't any room to breathe. Sometimes it feels like there isn't any room to even make a mistake, there isn't any room to spare. Like you're constantly running and you're constantly thinking about who knows what, constantly shoving more in and there's just not any room for anything or anyone, and this even includes Jesus. Everybody's felt like there, there, there's no room for anyone, including Jesus. And for some of us, it's like, yeah, I know, Pastor, I know I need more Jesus. And I should probably get to church more and read my Bible more and do more good things. But between work and kids and basketball, and I'm helping out with basketball this, this, this year and bills and stuff, and we're doing this project at our house, not to mention the mess in my private life, I just don't have any room for Jesus. While for others of us, we're maybe doing a bunch of Christian stuff and, and we're doing the routine, but we're just kind of going through the motions. We're doing things in the name of Jesus, but we're not actually spending any time with Jesus. There's a big difference. It's like we read our Bibles and we do church so we feel better about ourselves, but we're not falling any more in love with God. 
It's like we're sitting in church, we're opening up our Bible and reading, but our minds are someplace else and there just isn't any room for him. Or maybe our hearts are just so full of so many different things. It's like we want more of Jesus in our lives, but our hearts, our lives, our schedules are already full. It's like we want more of Jesus, but our heart, it's already filled with bitterness. It's already filled, like what we talked about last week, with fear. It's already filled with, with resentment and worry and doubt and lust and pain. It's like we want more of Jesus, but we just don't have any room for him. Again, just taking an honest look at our life. Do we have, do we have any room? Is it any room? Now, oftentimes in a message, this is where we start talking about the how and, and how we can make more room in our lives and how we should make more room for Jesus and we need to cut things out of our schedules and read our Bibles more and go to church more and not worry so much and not be so busy. So often we talk about, about the how. Just quickly, I do want to mention one practical how. We've created a simple 25-day daily devotional actually going through Christmas carols just tying a Christmas carol to scripture, just a simple word of encouragement along with it. It's just a basic devotional that you can sign up online right now. If you want to, go to iamembrace.com backslash carols. You'll get an email each day for the next 25 days uh, as, as we lead to Christmas. And so again, that's a how. And I think it's so important sometimes just to have a how. But often that's as far as we get. It's like you should do this, should do that, cut this, add that, whatever else. But today, instead of talking about how, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the why. I think when we figure out the why, then the hows come really easily, and it's not no longer a guilt trip or something we have to do. Instead, it's like, no, I need this in my life. And so, again, for the rest of our time, I just want to talk about about why. Uh, Maybe you're here and you're just wondering, like, why should we? Why should we make more room for Jesus? Why should I do these hows? Why should I do this and should I do that? To answer this, going back to our song for today, I, I hate to burst our Christmas bubble but joy to the world is actually not a Christmas song, okay? I feel like an angel just lost its wings somewhere, okay? It's, it actually wasn't written for Christmas. That was a news flash for me. You see, honestly, Isaac wrote this song one day sitting underneath a tree in, in London. I love that we know that fact. And that day, what was he looking at? What was he reading? He was reading Psalm 98. That day, he wasn't looking at the Gospels. He was looking at Psalm 98. And here's a part of what Isaac would have read that day. Psalm 98, starting in verse 4. It says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out and praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the trumpets and the sound of a ram's horn. I think that's a good sound, by the way. But the ram's horn, make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy. This psalm, it's, it's all about joy. It's about joy and about heaven and nature singing. Does that sound familiar? And yet in this one line, Isaac, he ties in the birth of Jesus. It's a song about Psalm 98. And yet in this one line, Isaac, he ties in Christmas And he just says, let every heart prepare him room. And so again, it's a song about joy. And here's the truth. The more room we have in our lives, 
Specifically, the more room we have in our hearts, let every heart prepare him room. The more room we have, as a result, the more Jesus we can have. And as a result of Jesus, what can we have? The more joy we can have. And so just to say it again, the more room we have, the more Jesus we can have. And as a result, the more joy we can have in our lives. Why should we do this? Like, why should we make more room? Why should we prepare our hearts for Jesus? Why? Because the more room, the more Jesus, the more joy in our lives. Anyone desperately looking for joy? Anyone looking for joy? I honestly wish I could sit with all of us across our campuses and just ask, are you looking for joy? I know for myself, the moment the question is asked, it's like both hands. Unapologetic. I have no shame left foot. It's like both hands. This guy, I, 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 like, I don't even want to stay, sit. I need to stand up and raise my hands. Anyone looking for joy? It's like this guy right here. I'm desperately looking for joy. I'm looking for joy. I look at my life, there are a few things that I want more than joy. It's just being honest. And I don't know if you can relate with this, but it's like I'm running after all this stuff, consumed with all these different things. Maybe for you, you've tried relationships. And so it's another guy, it's another girl, it's more sex. It's another different girl, another different guy. Maybe for you, you've tried status. And you work a lot. You just work and work and work and work and work and work. You're just looking for joy. Maybe you've tried blinging out your house. It's like if we can just Joanna Gaines, this room didn't work with the bathroom, but I promise if the dining room or the kitchen can look as good, then I'll find joy. And yet we don't find it. Maybe you've tried money or sales at work. Like you try all this stuff, but it's just never enough. And it's like all you're looking for is joy. And yet the one thing you can't find is joy. Again, anyone looking for joy, I know for myself, joy is one of those things that used to come so easily for me. I'm naturally an optimistic, upbeat, positive person. When my wife and I first got married, I would often get into trouble because I would never get into upset about anything. Like, we'd get in arguments that I wouldn't want to argue with her, which is interesting. Again, joy used to came easily, come easily, but now most days it's hard to find. It seems like the older I get, the, the less I have. It's like I got a lot of jadedness. Anybody need some jadedness? I got a lot of jadedness, but not much joy. I got a lot of jealousy. You need some jealousy? I got buckets and buckets of jealousy, but I really don't have much, much joy. I got a lot of jerkiness. I'm not a person who speaks jerkiness, but I got a lot of jerkiness on my insides, but I don't have much joy. Judgmental? Man, I'm, I'm your person. I can judge everybody. It's like, my God, I can't believe she said that. I can't believe he did that. I can't believe, I can't believe. I got a lot of judgmentalness inside of me, but I don't have much joy. Don't have much joy. And yet, hear this. An angel comes. It's what we celebrate. Angel comes and says, I, I bring you good news of great joy. Why? Because Jesus. 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 You see, Jesus, he is the source of joy. God, he's where all joy comes from. And so when we have more room, we have more Jesus. We have more joy in our lives. And one more time, I don't know about you, but I'm longing for joy. Now, for all of us here today, as we lead up to Christmas, this is the time of the year that everyone's supposed to be happy, right? Well, maybe for you, you're walking through one of the hardest seasons of your life. We're supposed to be all happy and put on happy fronts, but maybe for you, you're walking through a season of brokenness. Maybe for you, you're walking through a season of loneliness. Maybe for you, you're walking through a season of addiction, the same addiction you've been struggling with for a long time. Maybe for you, it's a season of grieving. You just remind, like, just how much you miss your, your parent, your, your spouse, your, your kid, 
Or worse yet, maybe for you, this Christmas you have everything you could ever want in life and yet you still don't have any joy. I found that's the worst. It's like I'd rather have a trial so I can point to something, but it's like you might have everything you could ever want and yet you're still longing for joy. If any of these things apply to us, thankfully if we don't know the joy that comes from Jesus, it's constant. It doesn't change with our day. It doesn't change with our sales of the month, our relationships. It doesn't change on how we feel about ourselves at any given moment. No trial, no, no valley, no hardship. The joy found in Jesus, it is unchanging. And it's not a fake joy where we put on a happy front and a happy face. It's not real. Instead, it's a supernatural joy that starts on our insides and it flows from the inside out. And all of a sudden, this joy that's not ours, it's Jesus, all of a sudden, it starts changing our attitude. And it's like, man, I, I, what, in the, what in the world is going on in my life? I just have more joy. And all of a sudden, this joy, it starts impacting our words where we'd usually be critical when we're constantly nag this and nag that all of a sudden joy starts showing up it's like in our actions and just in our lives as a whole it's like I don't know where this joy comes from because I'm actually walking through a valley right now I'm actually walking through a storm right now but somehow some way I got this joy inside of me that doesn't come from me instead it only comes from Jesus and it's just spreading into every part of my life I don't know why I got joy I shouldn't have any joy and yet Jesus I don't know my Bible inside and out, but I know Jesus, and it's like he's changing everything. He's changing everything. He's changing every part of who I am. It starts in here. Let every heart prepare him room. Today for all of us, whether we've been following Jesus for 20 years, faithfully following him, or we're still unsure if we believe in God, this Christmas I pray every one of us would make more room for Jesus. Not because it's Christmas and we should. That is another thing on our to-do list. Not because it's what good Christians do, but because we just long for more of Jesus. I just long for more of Jesus because I know that when I make more room, I got more Jesus. And I just have more of this joy that's unchanging, it's constant. A joy that starts in my insights. It's not because of this relationship or because work feels good today or I, I look in the mirror and I feel better about myself. Instead, it's this joy that's in my soul and it just spreads. More room, more Jesus, more joy. Let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we just come and we lift your name high. All week long, if anybody is like me, I've been lifting up my own name. Instead, we take our name down and we put you on the throne. We lift your name high. God, we thank you for your word, the Bible, which just speaks to us and continues to speak to us. We thank you for the song, Joy to the World, written by our brother Isaac reading through Psalm 98. God, we thank you for your joy. I just felt it even across campuses, just anyone looking for joy, it's like all of us just like lunge. It's like me, I want more. I want more. So God, I pray this Christmas as we, as we look towards the celebration of your birth that we just make more room. Why? Because we want to. We're desperate. Make more room for more of you, Jesus, for more of your joy. We love you, we thank you, we pray this in your name, amen.